to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The thing that we need to understand about just the Christian life itself, the Christian faith, is that the Christian faith is a one another lifestyle. In other words, the Christian faith is not to be lived in isolation. You're not to try to live out the Christian faith alone. You are part of a larger thing. You're part of the body of Christ. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Galatians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, in a message titled, Bear One Another's Burdens. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Picking up here in the sixth chapter today, verses 1 through 6. So let me read to you those first six verses of Galatians chapter 6. Here Paul says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches." So as we come to uh, the final portion of this letter, we've been studying here for quite a while through Galatians. But as we, as we wind down, and as you come just personally, as you, as you are reading through your Bibles and as you're reading through the epistles, what you have sometimes is at the end of the letter, you will have not a disconnect from everything that's been said, but you'll, you'll have a number of sort of additional things that aren't necessarily tied back to the main argument or thought of, of the letter. It, it's almost like sometimes the end of, of Paul's letters, especially, will have just like these little postscripts, you know? It, it's like he's pretty much said everything he wanted to say about the main topic, and then, and then it's almost like he says, oh, but um, one more thing, real quick, and then, you know, he'll say something. And, oh, yeah, but, but let me remind you of this. So sometimes it's a little bit hard to understand if the things that are being said are connected to everything that's gone before, or are these just some, they're not random thoughts, but they're just sort of these additional things that I want to just get this in there. So when we're looking at Galatians here, although when you read the sixth chapter, it seems a little bit like it might be just a a number of PSs on the end here. Uh, It really actually isn't. He's carrying over the thoughts and all the way to the very end of the letter, he's he's just continuing to sort of state the case and, you know, build on what he has said earlier. So all of that to say, you know, as we come to chapter six here, that what he says now, it, it goes back to what he was talking about earlier. Now, the thing that we need to understand about just the, the Christian life itself, the Christian faith, 
is that the Christian faith is a one another lifestyle. In other words, the Christian faith is not to be lived in isolation. It's, you're not to try to live out the Christian faith alone. You are part of a larger thing. You're part of uh, the, the body of Christ. And our faith is to be lived out and worked out in that context and with that understanding. So you as a Christian, me as a Christian, I'm connected to other people. We're connected to each other. And we as a congregation, we're connected to other congregations. And all the congregations around the world are, are basically one body, the people of God. And if we see things like that, it's going to be better for everybody. It's going to be better for ourselves. It's going to be better for the larger church. It's going to be better for the world. And so let's, let's keep that in mind. And what Paul is going to remind us of here is the fact that we need each other because we all have burdens and we need help carrying those burdens. You know, the world sort of teaches you in some senses and you know, in, in some cultural context to, you know, you just, you go it alone. You know, you never tell anybody about your problems. You just, you just bear up and don't let anybody know that you're struggling and you just get a stiff upper lip sort of a thing. And, you know, you just press through and that's not the biblical picture. The biblical picture is that we are connected to one another and we are to help each other with our burdens. So there's three particular burdens that Paul addresses here in these verses. First of all, there's the burden of sin. Secondly, there's the burdens of life. And then thirdly, there's the burden of ministry. So we want to talk about each one of those, beginning, first of all, with the burden of sin. Now, the fact of the matter is, the reality is Christian sin. And sometimes Christians get overtaken by sin. And that's what Paul is referring to here. Notice what he said. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass. So think about that in your mind. To be overtaken, it's almost like to be sort of chased down, tackled, and, and bound up. That, that's kind of the picture here. So somebody has been sort of ensnared in sin, trapped in sin, if that's the case, or, or when that is the case in, in certain people's lives, then Paul says that those who are spiritual are to seek to restore them. Now, let's talk for a second about what, what he means when he says, you who are spiritual. Some have said, well, you know, he's talking about people who are kind of like on a, on a different level of spirituality. They're the more, more spiritual ones. Uh, that's probably not what he's referring to. Some have said that he's, he's talking about the, the ones that he described in the fifth chapter, those who walk in the spirit, those who live in the spirit, those who follow in the, in the steps of the spirit. I think that's true. But I also think that Paul is being a little bit sarcastic here because Remember the context. The context is that these Galatian Christians have been influenced by false teachers. And part of the influence of the false teaching was that a certain number among them actually thought they were more spiritual than everybody else because they had kept the law of Moses. And in their pride, this put them in a place where they were judging their brothers. They were 
backbiting and they were uh, competing and envying and, and all of that kind of stuff was going on. So they thought they were the most spiritual, but in the truth of the matter was they, they really weren't at all. So it's almost like what Paul is saying. Now you who are spiritual, it's like Paul is saying, let me tell you what real spirituality is versus what you're thinking. Their version of spirituality was arrogance and looking down on everybody else and being harsh and critical and condemning. Paul says, this is what real spirituality is. Those who are spiritual, they are to restore such a person in the spirit of gentleness. So he's kind of just laying out what, what it is to really be spiritual. But also notice this restore such a one. This is, this is what we have to know. God is always for the restoration of people who are in sin. Always for the restoration. God is always looking to bring people back into the place where they ought to be. He's never looking to ultimately push them away. So he's always seeking restoration. And we need to realize that too. Because sometimes we can be, you know, just fed up with a certain person. We can be fed up with their behavior. And, and we can just sort of write them off. And we can almost just think, you know, just get rid of them, Lord. Have you ever noticed how God never really does that, you know? <laughs> he, he just keeps being patient with people. That's because his, his desire is restoration. Now, different situations call for different approaches. There's places in scripture where we're told to rebuke people who are in sin. We're told to warn people who are in sin. There's some cases where we're even told to remove them from the fellowship. But in every one of those, still the ultimate end game is to see them restored, to bring them back. So we have to understand that. That's God's heart. It's always to restore. It's always to bring people back. And if we understand that, we will also understand why it is that God is so patient with people. And it'll help us to realize that we need to be patient with people as well. But he says to restore them in a spirit of gentleness. You know, I've been a Christian for quite a while. I've lived through a lot of cycles and seasons in my own Christian life. And I have been there at times in my own life, and I've been around people that have been like this, where you know, been through seasons where people around me, or maybe even my, I myself to a certain extent, you kind of get this rebuke mentality. I've even heard people say, you know, God's given me a ministry of rebuke. And, you know, they, they go around basically just being mean <laughs> to people in the name of Jesus, you know. And... Um, that's not the Lord. <laughs> that, that's not the way it works. He says here that we are to restore people in a spirit of gentleness, a spirit of meekness, a, a spirit of humility. And one of the things that I've learned over the, the long years of pastoral ministry is people rarely respond positively to harshness. I know when you come down on somebody, when you come down with a real harsh word, a real you know condemning thing and pointing your finger, you know, it just it seems most of the time to push people further away. And I have seen so many times, because I've, I've done that, but the longer I've lived and the longer I've been in ministry and seen how patient God is with people, I've learned to be more patient and I've seen how much more responsive people are to gentleness, 
to a meek and a humble approach. There's something about that that uh, it has a way of sort of just breaking through those hardened hearts. And so that's the way we are to go about it. If you see a brother or a sister overtaken in a fault, ensnared in some sort of sin, you go with the motivation of restoration and you go in an attitude of gentleness, in an attitude of humility. Martin Luther put it this way. He said, run to him and reaching out your hand, raise him up again, Comfort him with sweet words and embrace him with motherly arms. That's a beautiful picture. Comfort them with sweet words. Encourage them in the love of God. You know, I was talking to a couple after the previous service, and we've been friends for many years. And one of their children had just a, a, you know, a season of being just so far out there. And uh, we had many talks and many tears and many prayers uh, for this particular child. And, um, you know, I I would see her and, you know, she would be saying, oh, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus. And, oh, yes, Lord, I love you and I'm going to follow you. And, you know, the next week she'd be on a drug binge, you know, for, for, you know, two or three weeks at a time. And we were talking about how well she's doing today. But I I said to them, I said, you know, this is a good example because every time I I had to encounter her, deal with her, talk with her, whatever, um, the Lord always had me just, oh, just love her. You know, just just give her a hug. Just tell her you're praying for her. And, you know, it's paid off. God God has worked. And it's not, not just me doing that, but others around her have done that too. And, and as I said, um, having lived long enough now, I have seen people that at another season in my life, I would have completely written them off. I would have just said, no, nah, that's it. They've gone too far. It's over. There's no way. And I would think, man, Lord, you just need to bring the hammer down on them. But I'm, I'm just much slower to do that these days because I have seen how patient God is. But listen to what Paul says here as well. He says, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You see, it's going to be really helpful for us if we realize that, you know what, we're vulnerable as well. You know, there, but for the grace of God, there go I. I could be in the same kind of situation. But a lot of times what happens is we're, we're harsh with people, we're condemning, we're critical because we're, we're sort of prideful and we, we think we're above that. We look at them, we think, oh, how could you do that? That's so disgusting. I can't believe that you did that. Well, you know what? If I think that way, I better watch out because Paul said it to the Corinthians. He said, if any man thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he fall. The minute you start thinking, I'm above that, I'd never do that, this person's just such a loser, I I would never go to those kinds of depths, you know what? Be careful, because you might be just around the corner from a stumble. And so we've always got to keep that in mind. We're all sinners, and under the right circumstances, uh, you know, we can find ourselves in things we never would have imagined that we could be in because that's, that's who we are. We're sinners. So when we approach a person who is, uh, as he says here, who is overtaken in a trespass, who is ensnared in a sin, we must do so 
in a spirit of gentleness and keeping in mind that we have those vulnerabilities as well. Now, you know, as I've sort of hinted at here, I, I've learned this over many, many years. Uh, when I was young, as is often the case with youth, you think you know everything. In reality, you don't know much of anything, but nobody can tell you that at that time. And, um, you know, back in those early days for me, I just thought that, you know, this is the way you, you deal with, with sin. You just deal with it really, you know, really hard. And I, I had many people over the years that I, I was so harsh toward them. And, you know, looking back, I thank God that his grace kind of covered those situations. Some of you remember Pastor Romaine. Pastor Romaine was Pastor Chuck's assistant for many years. And he was here as a kind of a fixture, just like Pastor Chuck was for all those years. And Romaine was a uh, former drill instructor in the United States Marine Corps. But not only was he that, that was sort of his DNA. He was born to be a drill instructor. So, you know, he was, I'm sure, just like that when he was a baby even. I mean, he was, and he was the guy who was just, you know, no nonsense, black and white, cut and dry. Uh, and, and, you know, you come in for counseling with Romaine and he would just literally slice you, dice you, and then throw you out. And you're like, wow, what happened? You know, he never did that to me, thankfully. But I saw him do that to many, many people over the years. And actually, as a young pastor, I thought, I like that. You know, that's like, I, I, I think the Romaine method is good. You don't have to put up with all this long, drawn-out stories and people telling you, uh, you know, about how they've been wronged. You just kind of cut to the chase with them. And um, I thought that was good. I, I was talking about this previous service that a guy came up and told me about three Romaine stories. I said, oh, yes, I remember. I said, uh, I said but let me tell you the best Romaine story I've, I've ever heard. And I, I witnessed this. So there was a guy that came in the office. He wanted, he wanted to talk about his marriage. He wanted to talk about his wife. He wanted to complain about his wife. Now, Romaine had a very, very tender heart toward the wives. And it was very brutal to husbands, always. Um, <laughs> But, but this guy comes in and, you know, finds Romaine in the office and, you know, starts to talk about his wife and, you know, poor me and my wife. So, you know, she didn't treat me white and all this. And Romaine just is listening, but which is kind of unusual because he usually would cut you off really quick and just kick you out. But he kept listening. But he said to the guy, he said, come on, come with me. Just keep talking. Yeah, tell, tell, me, tell me more. And so they're walking along and the guy's, you know, going on and on about how, you know, poor me and my wife, so this and that. And, and he, didn't, he has no idea. He's just walking with Romaine. And they end up, Romaine unlocks the door. They walk in the room. They happen to go, go into the nursery. Romaine goes over. He opens a drawer. He pulls out a diaper. And he just hands it to the guy. And any of the guys telling the story, and he's looking at him like, oh, what are you handing me this for? And Romaine says, put this on. You're a baby. Now get out of here. You know. Now, you got to admit, that's, you know, that's going to be pretty effective stuff. So. <laughs> so when I was young, I saw some of those things, and I thought, I'm going to try that too. That, I like that. <laughs> and I'll never forget <laughs> my first attempt at it. I sat there behind my desk. I had an office over there at the time. And this guy sat across the desk from me. And I, back in those days, I weighed about 150 pounds. And this guy weighed about 250 pounds. And he was a burly biker guy. 
And he sat there, you know, telling me all of his woes. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to do the Romaine thing on him. You know, you loser, you big baby, you know, just shut up, get it right, get out of here. But I thought, this guy's going to actually kill me if I take that approach. But I did it anyway. I just thought I would try it. And uh, by God's grace, he didn't kill me. But, uh, you know, I learned really quickly that it worked well for Romaine, but it probably wasn't the best method for me to employ. And so, you know, you, you learn over the years. And I'm sharing this with you, so, you know, maybe you won't make those same mistakes. You learn over the years that, man, God is gracious. He's patient. And he wants to restore people. And he says, when we see people overtaken in a trespass, to be gentle, to be humble. And remember that we have those same vulnerabilities. So the burden of sin. Now, he, Paul goes on to say, bear one another's burdens so, and, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So this is part of bearing the burdens of others is helping them out of the sin that they at times get entrapped in. Secondly, the burdens of life. Life just comes with burdens, doesn't it? There's all kinds of burdens in life. We have burdens uh, related to family, and that involves so many different things, struggles with in, in, a, in a marriage, struggles with uh, raising children. We have burdens that are related to health. We have burdens sometimes due to financial struggles and difficulties. And, and of course, they're just, you know, kind of an endless list of burdens that people can find themselves under. So we are to bear one another's burdens. And like I said initially, I can't really do that if I have no connection with anybody. This is why it's so important that we get close to each other, that we get to know each other. Uh, this is one of the reasons why we have reintroduced the, just the whole idea of the community group or the, the home group, you know, so that we can cultivate those kinds of relationships and be able to bear one another's burdens and, and do that easily because we're closely connected with others and we know what is happening with them. Now, there's two areas in which we can bear the burdens of others, or two ways. And the first would be to pray for people, to, to pray for people. You know, this week we had a, a phone call and a guy was asking us a question. And then at the end, he said, you know, I, would you just pray for my friend? He said, my friend's 38 years old. He's being diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. He's got two children. And, you know, you could just tell his heart was just so broken for his friend. And I was talking to a friend this morning who heard that broadcast and said, you know, ever since I heard that, I've just been praying for that guy. I thought, you know, that's, that's bearing the burden in prayer. And, and we can do that. And, of course, we should do that for everybody who's under a burden. But, you know, it especially is applicable when, when we don't have any kind of access to the people. You know, in a small way, we are bearing the burden with them as we pray for them. And so let's never forget that prayer is a way that we can bear the burdens of other people.
the month of June, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner. Coincidence, do things in life simply happen by chance? Or is there actually a loving God behind the scenes who is weaving His goodness into the details of our lives? Well, in his book, The Myth of Coincidence, John Bonner testifies of the God who uses our failures, weaknesses, and tragedies to intentionally create a life of fruitfulness. If you want to be encouraged that this same God is working in your life in purposeful ways, this book will remind you that God is indeed at work in your life too. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Galatians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.